So I want, I want to run through, I, I jotted down on my notes a couple Shilas that uh, came up recently. I normally just go boom, 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 like quick answers, but I, I want to explain a little bit of background of one because once you understand this, you could apply it to many other Shilas. A very, very common question, and that, this is actually one of the motivations when I wrote the Sefer many years ago, one of the motivations to write the Sefer was to address this question because it was not something that I saw discussed uh, very often. Um, so one of the questions that, that get asked a lot, and I'll go through it, I'll cover everything to the best of my abilities. Um, one of the questions that, get, that gets asked that a lot of Sfarim don't really address is when it comes to Shabbos and Yom Tif, if you invite someone who's not religious and they're going to be driving to your house or driving from your meal, is it halachically permissible? So let me explain. Instead of just saying yes or no and Rishlam is Alman Shita, let me, let me explain. What is the prohibition if I invite someone for Shabbos and they drive to my house? Now, I, they're driving, so they're breaking Shabbos, obviously. But what did I do wrong? So the Isser that I am dealing with is called Lifna Iver Lositin Michel, which is you're not allowed to cause a Jew to do a sin. Lifna Iver Lositin Michel, you're not allowed to cause a Jew to stumble. So by you inviting them, and they're using that in order to drive, you're causing them potentially to stumble. You're involved in the sin, lifna evil ositin michel. There's a Gemara Navo de Zara. The Gemara Navo de Zara says that lifna evil ositin michel, on a biblical level, only applies betray avre denara. Betray avre denara means the two people are on opposite sides of the river, and he cannot do the aver without me. I'll give you an example the Gemara gives. You have a Jew who's a Nazir. He's not allowed to drink wine. He says, pass me the wine. So am I biblically forbidden to pass him the wine? See, when I pass him the wine, he's gonna, I'm causing him to stumble. So says the Gemara, it's only Asidoraisa if you're on two opposite sides of the river and he can't get the wine without me. So he needs my hand and his hand to meet. That's when it's biblically forbidden. But, so let's say you're sitting at the table and there's a Jew who eats pork, God forbid, and he says, pass me the pork. So if you're on two opposite sides of the river, you're biblically forbidden to pass it to him because he cannot do the Avera without you. If you're on one side of the river, meaning he could do it without you, you're just making it easier, that is not biblically forbidden. I go, we'll go through all the details. That is not Asr de Oraisa. Now, is it Asr de Rabbanon? Yes, according to most Rishonim, Taisis, Sashita, and Shabbos, it's Asr de Rabbanon. It's called Misayeya Bidei Ovre Avera. So it's Asr de Rabbanon, but not Asr de Oraisa. So now let's analyze, and this is important to know because when a lot of questions come up, you've got to ask yourself, well, is it Asa Daraisa? Is it Asa Darabona? So what was the question? The question is, I want to invite someone for Shabbos, but they're going to be driving. So is it Asa Daraisa, Asa Darabona? Well, it's not Daraisa, seemingly, because I'm, it's not like I'm the only, it's not like I'm giving them keys to a, the only car that exists, right? Asa Daraisa is only when I am, the, I am the only facilitator of the Avera. They could do the Avera without me. Without me. They are driving without me all the time. I am probably, it's Asadar Abonon, but it's most seemingly not Asadar Now, before we continue, there is one sheet of the Taz. And Rav Avram Weinfeld, the Chuvis Lev Avram, followed this Taz. What is it? He, he writes this, we'll quote the Lev Avram. He says that even though if they could do the Aver without you, it's only Asadar Abonon. Right? So you have the case, so you're sitting at the table, and the Jew who does it, who's eating uh, pork, Pass me the pork. So you pass it to him. What was the iser? Durabanon. Not Doraisa, because he can get it without me. He could just get up, you know. It's not like we're on two opposite sides of the river. What about the following scenario? 
what if he's sitting here and he's, uh, I say, you want some pork? And he's like, no, I'm not in the mood. I'm like, eat it. You should eat the pork. Come on. And I'm pushing it. And he's like, fine. And I hand it to him. Right? To the Levi Ram, you're over in Issa Raisa. Why? Because while he could do the Issa without you, you were the instigator of him doing the Aver. Right? It's like he could have, but you pushed him. If you push him, even if he could do without you, it's also Daraisa. Now, I'll say like this. When it comes to inviting a guest for Shabbos, when they're going to drive, you could argue, I'm not saying definitively, that if you invite him for Shabbos morning to come for lunch, so there's no way for him to avoid it, right? You're basically saying come for lunch, and he lives 10 miles away, he's driving. You could argue that that's more like instigating him, because maybe he would sleep in. As opposed to Friday night, where if he chooses to leave after the meal, that's his prerogative. Maybe. So it's possible that Shabbos day would be worse. Again, we'll go through all the details. But let's go back to the Shiloh, the Iker Shiloh. I want to invite a guest for Shabbos and he's going to drive. So it's not us at Daraisa, again, without the instigating part of it. Just seemingly. They could do the Avera without me, it's not us at Daraisa. It is us at Darabonan. Now, because it's us at Darabonan, there is much more room to be lenient. There's a Shita of the shach, that there's no Isidur Abonan when people are doing it on purpose. So if they know what they're doing, maybe it's on purpose, although a lot of people don't, I uh, wouldn't chal Shabbos on purpose. They don't know what they're doing. There's a sheet of the Ksav Seifer. The Ksav Seifer says that there's no rabbinic prohibition unless you're involved at the time of the Avera, like you're handing him the pork. But over here, I invited him on Thursday. They're driving Friday night. There's no rabbinic prohibition. There's a sheet of the Marsham that there's no rabbinic prohibition unless you hand them the actual chayfets of the Avera. There has to be an object involved for it to be Asadur Abonah. So according to these opinions, there's actually, it's probably permissible. But the major heter is that of Rav Shleim Zalman Orbach. Rav Shleim Zalman Orbach had a famous heter, and that heter was, Rav Shleim Zalman says, it's not lifnaiver if I'm overall looking out for their well-being. Meaning, I'll give you an example. What's the lifnaiver over here? By you inviting them for Shabbos, and they're going to drive, you're causing them to drive how long is it from your house to their house? 20 minutes. They're driving home. That's 20 minutes of driving on Shabbos. What about the fact that they're keeping Shabbos while they're by you? What about the fact that they're eating kosher when they're by you? What about the fact that it could lead to another Shabbos and another Shabbos and another Shabbos and it could ultimately lead to them being from? So the question is, by Lifna Iver, do you look at it as in a vacuum or do you look at big picture? You understand? Roshleim Azam and Orbach says you have to look at a big picture. If big picture, this is good for them. I know it sounds crazy that like driving on Shabbos could be good for them. But conceptually, this could be overall really good for them. If coming to your house, even though it involves 20 minutes of driving, leads to them overall being from, it's hard to say that you cause them to stumble. On the contrary, I actually think you help them. So Shlomo Zaman says that if, it, if the Avera, if overall this is good for them, it's hard to say that you're causing them to stumble. On the contrary, if, again, if it will mean that in the long run, they'll be religious, it's hard to say that you're causing them to stumble. It's more likely that you're causing them to be, uh, to be religious. The point is like this, just to sort of put the shaila together, Rav Shleim Zalman held that if overall, um, you have to sort of look at the person's well-being, if, if overall this is going to help them spiritually, it's hard to say that you're causing them to stumble. You're not causing them to stumble. Now, by the way, not to get too lumdis, uh, if you understand Lifnaiver being Navera bin Adam Limakom, it doesn't really apply, but I, I don't want to get too much in the weeds. The kids are amaisa. How do we paskin? So we paskin like this. The, the basic approach is that of Rav Shlomo Zalman Now, by the way, to be fair, Rav Shlomo Zalman gave this heter, I think it was to 
Enjap or was Te'esha Torah, I'm not 100% sure which organization, but he was very upset that it got publicized. He did not want this header to get out there, but it's already out there. It's a, this is a, this is like, he, was, he was upset that this got like publicized. But basically, Rosh Hashanah Zalman's Eitzah, and this is, Rav Shechter says the same thing, and most Rabbanim will tell you this. Ramosha Feinstein, by the way, held Osir. You should know. Ramosha Feinstein held very, very strong Osir. He felt that by you inviting them and they're going to drive, you're called a Mesis, which is you're pushing them off the derech. It's like a very, he had a very extreme shita. But the basic approach is that of Rishlam Zalman Orbach. And that is, Rishlam Zalman Orbach said, you have to offer them a place to sleep, meaning you give them, a, it's like a thousand chairs, if you think. Uh, you offer them a place to sleep. You invite them for Friday night. Don't invite them for Shabbos day. Because if you invite them for Shabbos day, you're really not giving them much aids. Invite them for Friday night. Offer them a place to sleep. If they choose to leave, that's their prerogative. That's the basic approach of Rosh Hashanah. And that's the Hanhaga of most Rabbanim. Especially if it could lead. Listen, some relationships, when you, you speak to them, it could lead to them being religious. Some, some relationships, you say, listen, it's my aunt and she's anti and it's not going to lead to anything other than the Shabbos. But to be fair, Rav Nevensal, a very big Paisik in Yerushalayim, he felt that Rav Shalim Zaman would be Orbach, would be lenient even in such a situation because he said, while it may not lead to them being religious, at least they'll eat kosher while they're by you, right? If it's like Pesach, right? You can invite them. At least. At least they'll be eating not chametz, so that that itself is something, and therefore it's hard to call them stumbling when you're really helping them. So basically, the approach is that if, in case of necessity, you invite them for Friday night, you offer them a place to sleep, and listen, if they get if they choose to leave, then that's them choosing, and that's it's hard to say I'm causing them to stumble when they're sort of choosing to leave my home on Shabbos. That's their that's sort of their prerogative. To invite them for Shabbos Day is obviously very problematic. If you told me it's for Friday night, and you said, listen, if there's a chance they'll be from, I would definitely be lenient. If you tell me, listen, they will not be religious at all. They're anti, they don't care. Then I'm not saying it's usher. You still could rely on Rosh Hashanah Norbach. His svara still applies. It's a little bit harder, but it's still something. But it's a lot easier to apply it. And also the truth is, you never know. Yeah, they say, listen, you think they're not religious, you think they're anti, and then... I want to mention a second shayla that's related. I'm not going to go into all the details. I'll mention something very interesting. Here's a shayla that you get in Eretz Yisrael more. It could apply here as well. In Eretz Yisrael, it applies all the time. But let's go in America. You have a kid who's unfortunately not religious. Yeah, Matzei Shabbos, he want you want him to drive you someplace. Like, oh hey, can you drive me to the mall? Whatever it is. You ever think about the fact it's a problem? Why? You, when Shabbos is over, right? Shabbos is over. Biblically, Shabbos is over. But you're not allowed to do malacha until you hear Havdalah. Or say, Baruch HaMavdil bin Kodesh Shulchol. If someone's not religious, and they haven't said Baruch HaMavdil bin Kodesh Shulchol, they are rabbinically forbidden to do any work until Tuesday night, when Havdalah is no longer applicable. Right? Until Wednesday, until, until Tuesday, you still have a chiv of Havdalah. If you have a mitzvah of Havdalah, that means you have an Isser Malacha. If you have an Isser Malacha, I can't ask you to do Malacha for me. Now in Israel, this is a major issue because of cabs. You have a, a cab driver, and in Israel, unfortunately, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people that are not religious, and you're asking them to drive. And by the way, if you go with the Cheshman that we had before, the two sides of the river, one side of the river, if you follow the Lev Avram's approach, which is by me telling you to do an Avera, I'm instigating, that's biblically an issue. By me calling a cab and saying, hey, pick me up, drive me places, when they have not heard Havdalah yet, you don't think about it. 
Again, in America, it would be more, uh, you know, a cab service, the guy's not religious, or you have a family member who's not religious, and they haven't said, Baruch HaMavdil, and they don't hear Avdallah. Why are you allowed to do this? So I'll tell you this two Eitzahs. The first Eitzah is not great, but it's interesting. And then we'll go to the second Eitzah, which is fascinating, and I think very good. The first Eitzah is, there was a Sefer, uh, the Tzitzeliezer quotes uh, Rav, uh, something Cohen. I forgot the first name. I don't, I don't know the name anyway. He says, here's what you do. You get the cab driver to say Shavua Tov. Because Shavua Tov is Havdalah. Now, where is he coming from that Shavua Tov? Like, how is Shavua Tov Havdalah? So where is he coming from? He's coming from a Rav Kibager. Rav Kibager says as follows. Friday night, there is a biblical obligation to make Kiddush. Both men and women are included in this biblical obligation to make Kiddush. Now here's the problem. Problem is, I daven Friday night in Shul. I say Vayichulu. I have fulfilled my biblical obligation of Kiddush. I go home, the wife has not made Kiddush yet, she hasn't daven Ma'ariv, because she doesn't have Ma'ariv, which is fine. So she has a biblical obligation of Kiddush, I have a rabbinic obligation of Kiddush, because I already said, Vayichulu and Shul. Vayichulu is a biblical fulfillment of Kiddush, because I'm talking about how holy Shabbos is. So I have a Dirabon on Chiyuv, she has a Chiyuv Doraisa. We generally do not like rabbinic obligations, in this case the husband, to be motzi, a biblical obligation, the wife. So what's the solution? So someone came over to this past Shabbos and said, should my wife be making Kiddush every week? I said, no, don't do that. You, you can make Kiddush. So what, how, how, how is this not a problem? Because you're derabonon, she's deraisa. Now, first of all, there's two solutions. One is you have the Chassam Sofer. The Chassam Sofer says that because of this, he feels that most people, most people, you could assume the husband does not want to be Yotze Kiddush with saying Vayichulu. Meaning, you're making an assumption that by saying Vayichulu, you fulfilled your biblical obligation. That's true generally, but in this case, you could assume that the husband does not want to be Yotze, the Chiyav Doraisa, right? Meaning the husband... I thought you brought that up already. Uh, I'll see you later, buddy. Point is like this. You're assuming that he has a chiyav, his Chiyav Doraisa is taken care of by saying Vayichulu, says the Chassam Sofer, we assume the average man does not want to be Yotze Doraisa in Shul because he wants to go home Doraisa to fix Doraisa. There's another Eitzah, says Rekhi Veger, says, he says, say Shabbat Shalom, say Good Shabbos. Because by saying Good Shabbos, that's Kiddush. That's what Veger says, right? By saying, I don't say Good Tuesday, right? Saying Good Shabbos means I'm greeting you, Shabbat Shalom, I'm saying Shabbos is good, I'm saying Shabbat Shalom, I'm greeting you in a special way, that's Kiddush. Right? Kiddush is saying Shabbos is holy. So Rukhidega says you could be Yitzhak Kiddush by saying Shabsatava. Good Shabbos. So says the says the Tzitzliyaz, he quotes a sefer that he says, if Shabbat Shalom is Kiddush, Shavua Tov is Havdalah. Now the problem is that's a cutesy little vart. It's it doesn't it's not really accurate, I'll tell you why. Kiddush is sanctifying Shabbos by saying how great Shabbos is. One of the ways to say how great Shabbos is by giving a special greeting. Havdalah means you have to say Alashin Lahavdil. You have to say that Shabbos is different than weekday. Shavua Tov just means have a good week. It, 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 it does not imply any separation, and therefore Shavua Tov is probably not Havdalah. So what's the eight? So when you have a cab driver, so let me tell you an amazing insight from the Tzitzliyazer. It's like a, it's a very interesting thing. He says like this: Why is it? What's the, what's the problem? The problem is they Shabbos is over. Yeah, Shabbos is over. It's done. But there's a rabbinic, a rabbinic prohibition of driving or doing malacha until you say Baruch HaMavdim in Kodesh Lecha. Why? Because Chazal wanted you to make Havdalah. And they were afraid that if you could just drive and do whatever you want without making Havdalah in any way, you'll forget about Havdalah. So you know what the rabbi said? We're going to make a rabbinic prohibition to motivate you 
to make Havdalah. Says the Tzitzliezer, the rabbis only made that prohibition for someone who says Havdalah regularly. A non-religious Jew who never says Havdalah, so the prohibition will not motivate him at all. It's a very interesting thing. Meaning you would just assume there's a prohibition, there's a prohibition. He says, no, the prohibition is, the rabbis don't just want to punish people, the prohibition is to motivate you. If this is a person who does not live according to religious life, so it's not going to motivate him at all, there is no prohibition. So it's a, it's a phenomenal thing. There's no Isidur Abonon because it won't lead to actual Havdalah. So basically, they're allowed to drive before Havdalah because it's not going to motivate them anyway. His Lashon is Kalkaltem Zeu Takantem, that their, their downfall is helping them in this way. That's the Shita Tzitzliyaz. Again, it's an interesting header. Obviously, listen, the best case scenario, if you have someone in the family members, say, Baruch HaMavdol, because it's a whole, and it avoids all problems. But if they don't say Baruch HaMavdol, this would be the header, it would be relying on that, which is very interesting. Uh, a couple more things I want to run through, and then I'm happy to take questions. Um, this is Negea for Yom Tif, and I'm, I don't have an Eitzah. I'm just mentioning a problem. I'm just going to mention a problem. I don't know of a major header. In people's minds, if I were to ask you, Go back to the misconceptions. If I were to ask you, you have a, a non-Jew, a non-Jewish relative, or just a non-Jewish co-worker, whatever it is. You're going to invite them to a meal, Shabbos or Yom Tov. The average person would think, don't invite them for Shabbos. Goyim should not be involved in Shabbos. Yom Tov. No. Shabbos is way better than Yom Tov. I'll tell you why. It is usher to invite a non-Jew to a Yom Tov meal. And people think it has to do with Pesach, right? People think you can't do Pesach because that's free. It's nothing to do with Pesach. It's Rosh Hashanah, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. It's all the same. You're not allowed to invite a non-Jew to your meal. Why? Because on Yom Tov you're allowed to cook. The Gemara says specifically, you're only allowed to cook for a Jew. You're not allowed to cook for a non-Jew. It is biblically forbidden to cook on Yom Tov for a non-Jew. The Torah only allows it for Jews. The rabbi said... We don't allow you to invite a non-Jew to a Yom Tif meal because we're afraid you'll make a special dish for them, right? And you could see how this could happen. You get it. You invite a non-Jewish uh, coworker. She calls you up before Yom Tif and says, "Oh, I'm I'm uh, I am I'm, I'm vegan or whatever." She says, "Okay, I'll make a special rice dish for you." Now you've cooked on Yom Tif, potentially for this coworker, and that's biblically forbidden. So because of the Chazal say you cannot invite a non-Jew to a Yom Tif meal. Shabbos is fine because there's no cooking anywhere on Shabbos. So in people's minds, you, you think Shabbos is, 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 is worse because it's Shabbos. Shabbos is not, it's, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be invited ever. But Yom Tif is a way bigger problem. Now, what do you do? There's one time where it's really applicable and it's an issue. And that is um, sometimes you have like, converts that have family members. Uh, it's a problem. I, I, I don't know. You have to ask a shayla, find some sort of hetar. I don't know. Uh, it's a problem. I, I, I just want to remember the issue that when, like this year, if you're going to invite a non-Jew, invite him for the first day of Rosh Hashanah, which is Shabbos, not the second day. In, in people's minds, they think Yom Tif is better. It's not. And it has nothing to do with Pesach. People think, oh, Pesach is a problem because we're chayrus. You don't want to have involved. You can't do the Seder. No, do with that. You can't invite a guy to Shabbos, to Yom Tif meal because Shemi Yarbe B'Shvila, you might come to cook for them. And that would be a major halachic problem. We'll run through them very quick. These three Shailas I got recently, I got a long email. Dave Engel, I like Dave. Dave sent me, a, he, uh, he, I, it helps me for the shiur. He sends me like a, like an email of like 10, 10 shilas. It's good, it helps me. Um, so these, the next, uh, next three are from him. So, um, question is like this. If you take a nap during the day, do you have to wash your hands? And if yes, if so, how long does the nap have to be? So it's basically like this. When you wash your hands in the morning, 
the Rishonim give two reasons why we make a bracha of Al-Natil Sidaim in the morning. One reason is because each morning you're like a new vessel. And the new vessel needs to be sanctified like in the Beis HaMikdash. Second reason is that you're going to daven shachris, your hands are dirty, you touch yourself while you're sleeping, you touch your hair, you touch your arms. That's a reason. There's a third reason from the Zayar. Now this third reason does not warrant a bracha, but it requires washing, and that is there is a tumah, there is an evil, uh, evil, uh, evil, uh, evil ruachra, an evil uh, shade or whatever, tumah that rests on the body while you sleep. And when you wake up, it goes away, but it stays on your hands. And it's still a thing. Uh, you should not touch your eyes, touch your mouth, touch your ears. You shouldn't touch them in the morning before washing the Tzadayim because it is an evil ruach ra. There's an evil spirit that rests on the hands, and that's still a, a thing. While the, by the way, there is a, 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 there's a, 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 a Shemua, a teaching that goes back to Rav David Baron, who quotes, going back to the Vilna Gon, that when... When the, the Ger Tzedek, Avram, uh, uh, Ger Tzedek Am Petotsky, he was Count Petotsky, when he was killed, Al-Kiddush Hashem, he was famously killed uh, in, during the times of the Grah. He was killed because he was a Jew. And there's a famous story that the Shla went to say a bracha, to, to answer Amen, because he said a bracha. He's buried right next to the Grah. So when he died, when he was killed, Al-Kiddush Hashem, the Grah fam- supposedly said that the evil spirit of the morning went away. That he removed Ruach Ra because of his Kiddush Hashem, he removed the Ruach Ra. That's maybe true for things in the Zara. You still have to wash your hands in the morning. We still, uh, still Ruach Ra. You have to, by the way, and in order to remove it, you have to do one on the right hand, then the left hand, then the right hand, the left hand, the right hand, the left hand. It has to be that way. If you do three on the right, then three on the left, it won't go away. It has to be that way. That's one of the reasons why we wash our hands in the morning. There's a Shaila in the Shulchan Aruch. What if I sleep during the day? Does the evil spirit attach itself to sleep during the day? The Shulchan Aruch says, because we're not sure, wash your hands after all times that you sleep. Because again, the question is, does the Ruach Ruach come from sleep or come from sleep at night? Or just come from at night? So because of this, we say, anytime you sleep, wash your hands. Now the question is, how long do you have to sleep to warrant it? It's called Shitan Nishman. Shitan Nishman means 60 breaths. How long is that? There's three opinions in the Bir Alacha, three minutes, 30 minutes, 3 hours. We go with the middle view. 30 minutes. If you take a nap for 30 minutes or more, you should be washing your hands. No, no bracha, but you should be washing your hands 3 times, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, shalai uh, kisidron, right, left, right, left, right, left, in order to remove rachra. That is a 30 minute, 30 minute nap or longer. Okay. Two more shailas. Netil sidayim for bread. When are you supposed to make the bracha? And what if you dried your hands already? So ideally, you make the bracha while your hands are still wet. The, the reason being is because really you should make the bracha before you wash your hands. Like you make the bracha and then you do the mitzvah, like over las yas. And the problem is when your hands are dirty, you can't make a bracha. So what do you do? You wash your hands. While they're still wet, you make the bracha. So it, you're doing it before the drying. So it's before the act of drying. That, that's, you make the bracha before the nigav. By the way, before we go right there, I just want to mention something. There's a sheet of the tzlach. The Tzlach in his Drushes says something very interesting. That's uh, the Tzlach in his Drushes. Tell me, I'll be done in like five minutes. Uh, less, less, like three minutes. Sorry, I have your laptop here. Yay. The Tzlach in Drushes has something that it's quoted. That he says, the Isser, you should stop talking. People think that you could, you have to stop talking when you make the brach of Anatil Sadam, because once you make a brach, you can't talk anymore. He says, you should stop talking while you, the second your hands are wet. So the second you wash your hands, you've got to stop talking. A lot of times you'll see people at the meal, they'll wash, 
and they'll just be keep shmuzing, 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 and then they make the bracha. The tzlach says that the second even one hand is wet, you should stop talking. So, so that's the sheet of the tzlach, so that's something to, to be noted. So when do you make the bracha? You make the bracha while your hands are still wet. Let's say you dried your hands, and you realize, ooh, I should have made the bracha already. Is it too late? The Mishabura says you could still make the bracha as long as your hands are dry. You could still make the bracha until al Amotzi is said. Ravavad Yosef disagrees. Ravad Yosef says that the second you dried your hands too late, you can't make the bracha anymore. So for Ashkenazim, you'd be able to make the bracha even after drying. Asfardim, uh, no. And one last halacha, and I'll mention this. Um, this is as Negev Chsidimer, as Negev. So, Shalashuddis is obviously a very important mitzvah. You're supposed to have Shalashuddis. When are you supposed to start the meal? Washing for bread. When are you supposed to start and when's the latest? Ideally, you wash for bread before sunset. Once it's sunset, we're always uh, a suffix. Sunset might be nighttime. Once it's sunset, you really shouldn't be eating anymore. You should not be starting the meal. If you started the meal before sunset, you can continue. But if you didn't start your meal, you're really not supposed to start your meal after Shkia. The question is, and that's the last question that he had, the question is, how late after sunset can I start Shalashadus? So, listen, if you're like a real Litvak, see them, they just go. They're not even, they're not even thinking about it. Because um, they, their sunset is way later than our sunset. But um, ideally like this, you wash before sunset. You start the meal before sunset, and that's why like in shuls, I always try to make it, I don't know if I give people enough time, but I try to give people enough time that you could finish mincha, and still wash before sunset. I don't know if we do a good job over here. We probably don't. But we're eating downstairs. If you come downstairs, it's not so bad. But, but ideally, you wash before sunset. How late after sunset can you go? Rav Moshe Feinstein felt nine minutes. There's three shittas. Rav Moshe said nine minutes. You have nine minutes after sunset, and then after that, you really shouldn't be doing this anymore. It's too late. That's Rav Moshe shita. Nine minutes, because nine minutes is the taste of the grow. According to Rav Moshe's calculations, it's nine minutes. Yokut Yosef says 13 and a half. 13 and a half minutes. So you got nine, you got 13 and a half, and then you have the Mishabura that he said up to a half hour before nightfall. So if nightfall is, is 72 minutes, you have 40 minutes. If nightfall is 50 minutes, like Ramayusha, you would have 20 minutes. So basically, you have 9, 13, or 20 to 30 minutes. After that, you gotta, it's too late to start your meal. Again, if you started before, you could continue. But ideally, you start this by sunset. If not, I would try to hit nine minutes. If not nine, you got 13 and a half. And then after that, 20, 25, like really, then at some point, you got you to gotta put a plug on it. Sometimes the people will come down and be like, is it too late? Uh, once it's already a half hour after Ishkia, uh, it, 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 it's too late. I think I, I would stop. Um, so the Shaila about inviting a non-Jew is specifically for a non-Jew. The Tzitzliezer and Rishleim Zalman and other Paiskim say that a non-religious Jew can be invited because while in some areas of halacha non-religious Jews are treated as non-Jewish, not for this discussion. For this discussion, there are Paiskim, the majority of Paiskim would be lenient to invite them for a Yom Tov meal. So that wouldn't be an issue.